Hey, Streety. How are you, buddy? Good. How Nugget? Evening, boys. Long time. It has. We're back hey. for our end of November edition of uh, Sports and Spit. <laughs> After our six monthly spurt of two episodes in a row. So. I'm just no, uh, no looking... special guest, though. No special guest tonight because we are the special guests. This is episode number 48. Just the regular boys tonight. Just the so if everyone's of... lucky, we might be able to cram our end of 2020. 50th episode in, which means yes, we've got uh, two more after this. Be a nice way to say goodbye to 2020. You can go and get fucked. So, absolutely, yeah. 100. Mm. percent our, our 2020 fuck off edition. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a hell of a long year, right, boys? So, oh. ah, very I'm good. To that. But what about sport? There's heaps going on, isn't there? And there's heaps that happened since the last time we spoke. So. We probably should get right into it, boys. What about State of Origin? What did you think? The Blues losing to the worst Queensland side ever assembled. Yeah. You know what? As much as I'm a Blue supporter, I yeah. I, I wasn't that disappointed um, in the result, only because I think that Queensland winning um, probably just makes it more interesting moving forward. Um, you know, if, if the they Blues had... Thirteen in a row or something, didn't they? Yeah, but no, no. I think all that hype about the Blues we could being have done uh, with a couple more years. <laughs> superior, superior. No, no, no. no you know what? They... Like, I think year after year, New South Wales always has, uh, well, most of the time, has the better team on paper. But yet, when the Queenslanders run out, they just play with something that the Blues players don't have. They just have that extra gear or that, that extra little, you know, drip of passion in there that uh, the Blues can't seem to muster up. So um, and, and that's been evident over generations of State of Origin footy. Well, the Blue, I, like I think Queensland for, for their stretch had easily the best side on paper. I mean, that was probably the best State of Origin side ever put together. Like with the guys like Thurston and Slater and Smith and Cronk and everybody in that particular era. Um, but maybe at the top end, but they would routinely bring in some sort of lesser name players who, you know, who, and then eventually, you know, like let's just take the Storm, for example, turning, you know, numerous sort of, you know, no name recruits coming in, you know, turn into origin players and they come in as sort of just origin role players, do their job, and then you got I that think... that's fine. But the Blues yeah. have always had bigger name sort of players across the whole. 17. There was a period there where Kurt Gidley was our captain and he was coming off the bench for the Blues. Like, we weren't exactly putting the best side out there out of the two of them at that particular point in time. <laughs> like, but, yeah. but, but, it, but I know you're saying it, it seems to be that New South Wales always think they've got the best side, which is, I think, exactly what happened this year. Like, we just thought we were so red hot. And you definitely. And the, and those sides you talk of, I mean, when you've got the Australian spine, give or take one or two fringe players at mm. New South Welshman for the Australian team, you've got a Australian spine. Mate, put me on the wing. I'll, I'll go over. 
thing. If, 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 Gagai, if Gagai can do it, surely it can't be that hard. Jesus. We've seen his club form. He plays like Superman for the bloody for the Maroons, doesn't he? But he, I, he? I love how Bennett even gave it to him and said, we'll, we'll put a little Maroon jersey under his uh, Revenant jersey. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good sledge, actually. I, like, but geez, they unearthed some pretty good players, Queensland, in this particular series. Like Harry Grant for them was pretty Harry Grant. Like, he was, yeah. And they saved him for the last game, right? Like so, but well, was it was an ace up the sleeve, wasn't it? He was awesome in that game. Yeah, he was. He was great in game three. He was fantastic, and even Cameron Munster showed, like you know, he's kind of he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in Origin footy. And and you know, they they had a couple of really good players that did step up straight. That probably on paper you would suggest their New South Wales counterparts had him covered, but not in those two. Not the first and third game. Not, yeah, not I mean, there's hard. definitely some uh, some some no names, especially some blokes from the Titans coming in, um, playing for Queensland. Mm-hmm. See, I, all the players you just named, Macca, I don't mind them. Winning. Munster, Cheese, uh, he's, even though he's not there, he'll be partying with them anyway. Yeah, but cheesy, uh, he's waiting for him in Byron, it, I think. It, it, it would just be getting yeah, but uh, Harry Grant and all that, but DCE just. Absolute fuckwit. I don't like him. <laughs> He's, he was like, they've done a good job, Queensland, of transitioning out of that era of the Thurston and Cameron Smith and those guys because Daly Cherry Evans was kind of in or around that side for a while when he probably didn't deserve to be. But they probably knew that they needed to get some games into him and get some experience because, you know, because now he's kind of leading them around the park. He's doing okay. Like, mm. he's, you know, he's a dickhead, but he's, leading, he's doing okay. And what do you boys think of the end of year as opposed to mid-year? Uh, I don't think, I don't think I don't they had a choice. It. I don't like it. <clears throat> like, it felt yeah. – I, I didn't like the I, – I must say, look, I think we spoke about this in the past where we've said maybe Origin needs to be like standalone just three weeks in a row. I'm not sure I necessarily like that. I need it – I like a bit of more build-up and a bit more kind of – Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I... I kind of preferred the the week to week to week, the three consecutive mm. weeks. Yeah. But I kind of think that uh, there's probably a bit of footy fatigue after the grand final, and you know, as much as there's that uh, that sort of you know purgatory in between uh, footy and what we used to call cricket season, because yeah. no one gives a shit about cricket now. We might talk about that later. Um, mm. I kind of think consecutive weeks state of origin would be great in the middle of the year, but with no club games. Uh, because I, I think it's uh, probably unfair on clubs to lose rep players and lose games as a result, especially now the competition's so close. So I'd, so I'd that, probably like to see it move to the the middle of the year, but not have um, not have any club games sort of within that three week period. How we how that would be structured? What do they do on weekends? What you just you just? I think you play Origin on a Saturday. Go to dinner with your missus. Play Origin on Saturday and maybe have like some international games with the Kiwis or you know Tonga and Samoa or some of the PNG. They had that a couple of years ago. I think you can you can have a rep round and you can have so those smaller nations Pacific Island tests on a Friday night. State of Origin on a Saturday and maybe you know you might have the Kiwis play or whoever else is left on the, on the Sunday and you kind of rotate that. Yeah. Okay. And then you could probably throw the women's Origin games in there as well and. You got a full weekend of footy. Sounds like a dumb idea, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I don't like it. Keep it out. It's <laughs> halfway through the season. I don't Players mind. Are, I don't yeah, mind clubs play. losing players. Like I don't know if everyone kicks up a stink about it, but at the end of the day, 
it kind of, I, I don't know, like it gives opportunities to guys like that are in that squad and especially during COVID, if you're still not going to have like a lower grade type competition, I mean, they've got to get footy somewhere. So, you know, I don't mind it. I think it kind of levels out the playing field a little bit. As far as a few upsets in there, I like it. Well, that would probably be the excuse if, if uh, there's not going to be any second tier comp next year with the whole COVID thing. Um, you know, but if you're a club like the West Tigers who are perpetual ninth place finishers yeah. and you have one or two players in your squad that go into origin, they're key players, and you lose those games when they're not there and you miss a final spot of result, are you going to be happy for your play to make origin? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, well, you know, you, 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 can, you can look at it both ways and I don't think there's a perfect solution. No. At least well, they tried this well, year to, to know that we, we don't like it at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, as you said, Streety, they didn't have a choice. You had to put it on somewhere because you're not going to go over a year without origin because it's the biggest revenue spinner for the game. Um, but, you know, and, and it was a good series in the end. Like my fears that I expressed a while ago about maybe some of the players uh, that hadn't played in final series or whatever, not being up to scratch, maybe was slightly less intense than a normal Origin series. But at the end of the day, it came down to a decider and was three pretty good games of footy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last game was great. And I think we probably unearthed some uh, some young rivalries coming up. There was that uh, young Tino fella from the Storm. I can't even pronounce his surname. And Payne Haas. So they were yeah. sort of ex-Broncos juniors. And Tino's now joined the Titans. So there'll be a, you know, like a... More of a, um, you know, more eyes focused on that derby between the Titans with a much improved roster for next year versus the Broncos who are coming off a spoon. So, it was a good old fashioned origin stink, wasn't it? Like it was, it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I was pretty happy. Started, started throwing them at least. Yeah, they threw some punches and the, the referee treated it accordingly, just gave him a quick spell in the bin and yeah. let's get back to playing footy boys. Like, yep. uh, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so it was a big, it was a big up. It was a bit of a weird year for the NRL, wasn't it? It well, was. Um, did we speak about the grand final after in our last show? Uh, didn't we have we have Mickey? When was Mickey Young on? We had him on, didn't we? So ah, we 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 did the preview. Yes. Yeah. So um, all right. So back to the grand final. Um, it was a bit of a non-event at halftime. Twenty-two nil. Game was uh, over. Panthers made a comeback at the end and made it interesting, except for they scored with no time left, so there was no no possibility really of of uh, the game being squared up. Um, but we, we kind of spoke that uh, the occasion may have got to the Panthers, um, and that's exactly kind of what happened. They just were caught off their guard, and before they knew it, they were the game was out of reach. Mm. Yeah, and the, and the, and I think in the preview, Mick. Young spoke about like the kicking game of the Storm and their ability to put pressure on um, the kick, the kicking game of Penrith because of the fact that they didn't have as many options. And I think that probably showed a little bit. I think he probably proved himself right there. And yeah. and ultimately, the Storm just belted them out of the game. I mean, they're you know they they've been up there for a long time for a reason. So you know, you keep going. Yeah. And I think, as I said, you know, the losing just simply was an option for Cameron Smith. So, you know, I was pretty confident Melbourne would, would come out winners. And um, I think uh, that mindset he took in and, you know, once they got a sniff, they were, weren't certainly going to give it back unless it was taken from them. And it apparently just ran out of time. If there was an extra 10, 15 minutes, the result could have been different, but it's yeah. an 80-minute game. 
Yeah, it did look like they were coming home with a wet sail, the Panthers. They finally found their feet, didn't they? So I don't know if that was more so Melbourne switching off, though. Yeah, yeah it could have been. But I just think because the Storm went into that last 10 minutes just trying to infringe as much as they possibly could, yeah. and the referee responded accordingly by putting players in the bin for 10 minutes, if that had been 10 minutes earlier, maybe the, the Storm players would have made a different decision, obviously, to do that. But, you know, at least the Panthers would have got a shot at them with that advantage. So yeah, uh, so it's disappointing because because to see the like, and I get it, the Storm are just better at it than everybody else, right? Like, but um, to see it kind of that momentum killed off by just professional foul after professional foul was slightly disappointing. So I was that left me feeling a bit empty. It did. We think at um, the end of the game there, and again going into a video and what have you, and mm. it was just it, it it made it just farcical towards the end because it yeah. was. Well, it went to a video challenge. Why? They were calling timeout anyway. Is yeah, it exactly. game over? So what's the point in getting that one last uh, 24 Nuggets 995 add in? I know that's uh, <laughs> always good, but a uh, bit of a waste good, of time, really. Good deal. Good deal. It's a good deal. Cracking <laughs> deal. <laughs> Can't often go past it through drive-through. But... <laughs> what do we think? Um, I mean, Melbourne's um, Harry Grant going back to the Storm next year. Oh. Um I mean, obviously, they've lost some. They've lost Vunavalu, who, funnily enough, got called in the Wallaby squad straight away. Like without ever playing a game of rugby. Without playing a game, rugby is a farce. It's just a dead set farce. And the Wallabies are just as shit as they always were. So just don't get too excited by them playing a couple. So the current Wallabies wingers, just to uh, digress for a second, uh, Marika Korobiti, who. Uh, head down, run straight into Cronulla defenders to lose the grand final for them in 2016. And they've right. also got a young bloke, um, Tom Wright. Eight minutes, um, eight minutes in and there's your Cronulla grand final. That's it. <laughs> the, the other winger that scored a try in Dubuque a few weeks ago is a young fellow called Tom Wright, who was actually a 5'8 for Manly's under-20s when they won their 20s comp in 2017. He was a really highly rated junior league player. Made the switch from a, uh, a, a half and ended up on the wing for the Wallabies. Scored in Dubuque, but and they got Vunavala coming in. So it's almost like anyone can get a start in the Wallabies wing. Why wouldn't well, you? Just, like, you? You don't have to tackle. You don't have to do anything. But Just rugby in general in that, well, to be, I mean, boys, we all live here in Newcastle. I don't know if I'm blind. I didn't even know there was a Wallabies game and All Blacks game on in Newcastle until yeah. I was flicking through Fox the, oh, last night or whenever it was. And I'm yeah, like, same. that looks like. That looks like McDonald Jones Day. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is McDonald Jones. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It, yeah, it wasn't promoted very well. That's for sure. No. Yeah. What are the? Yeah, and I, I, there's two schools of thought about that. I was talking about this with a guy at work who's a New Zealand guy who had tickets. Who was saying he got on really early and got the tickets after it was announced. But he's a he's a member of the rugby community, right? So his son plays or something. But anyway. Um, but he was very surprised about how easy it still was for people to get tickets all the way up until Thursday or Friday of this week. And I said, yeah, maybe that's two things. Maybe that's either that that they couldn't advertise it and get many people in because they weren't sure what numbers they could have from a COVID perspective. Or maybe it's just because Rugby Australia is shit at what they do. And, you know, like, who knows? But it's a bit disappointing to like for those games to be played and... And for us as sports fans to kind of like, I I kind of found out because the guy who sits next to me at work was going. So mm. yeah, that's is this the All Blacks versus France, uh, Argentina. Argentina, yeah, exactly. Well, both games, the Wallabies game. I didn't even know that was on. Well, the Wallabies in played the Argentina the week before. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And was so, it the one they had a draw? Was it the draw game? Yeah, it was a yeah. draw. It was like fifteen all, I think. 
jeez. Yeah. Yeah, but I still can't sit through a game of rugby anyway. Like it just. Oh, got... Yeah, I, I think um, the World Cup did it for me with rugby. It's it's it, it's almost like politics. It's just too politically correct. Um, you know, it's uh, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's over over refereed. Any contact now, will you know, with the head, whether it is is incidental or you know, like yeah, was was just sort of you know happen, not as part of the play, it's just the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Um, ends up in the bin, and that's just, just makes a joke a, of the sport. Yeah. It's absolutely killed the quality of the game, in that you're right, mate. I tried to sit through, well, I, it was kickoff, and the All Blacks are playing in Newcastle. I went great. Yeah. And I haven't watched the game of rugby in years. Yeah. And I found myself at, uh, what was it, 10 nil, 10 to go in the first half. Step Brothers on Movie Channel. Thanks for coming. Mate, you, know, you can't go past the Catalina wine mixer, mate. Yeah, exactly right. I wanted to skip through fucking Catalina wine mixer, man. That's hard. Like, because of the fact that I just think that there's there's no real momentum in the game. It just keeps getting killed. So it's just kind of ruck after ruck. It's very boring anyway. But Play for the penalty and then yeah, get a penalty in halfway and kick, try and have a pot at goal. And that's what happens when the game is close towards the end. In, even in the Bledisloe games, ultimately the best tactic or strategy that any of the teams had was keep possession of the ball and hope the other team infringes so you can kick a penalty goal. And that's yeah. not that's not footy. Like you should be trying that, to start uh, and source uh, drive. Although Close some of the drive. infringements, some of the infringement, the um calls, you sort of go, what? No, that didn't happen. Oh, I don't know it, what happened there. But even to the untrained eye, there's so many rules. Like, holy Christ, mm. like, you know. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, you that's know, right. Yeah, he didn't come through the gate. Like, well, who you, you, like, you know it's bad when both teams throw their hands up and go, which side gets the penalty? Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> hey, no, boys, now that we're, we're talking before you, before we get on to basketball, because we've got to keep this show moving tonight, I know. I wanted to ask you, so apart from all the AFL results, all that sort of stuff, the big controversy in the AFL since we last spoke has been the player transfer market, and in particular, Adam Trelaw leaving Collingwood um, because, well, Collingwood wanted to get rid of him basically to save money on their salary cap because he had a contract worth about $4.5 million. But they basically put it down to the fact that his wife, who's a professional netball player, was moving back to Queensland with their daughter to pursue her career. And they were worried that he wouldn't play at his best without them living with him. What do you boys think of that? That's clutching at straws and that's a bad look for Collingwood. Significantly bad look, right? Like, what a load of shit. Yeah, so, totally. So, like, have some courage, have some balls. And if you want to get rid of a bloke, just come out and say that. Like, because... He's now playing. They traded him to the Western Bulldogs. And so he's playing 10 minutes down the road. And his wife still lives in Queensland. So anyway, it's ridiculous. And I think that's, made, I mean, it was a fast to begin with, but that's just made it even more ridiculous. The fact that he's now signed yeah. with, with the dogs. Like, are you kidding me? Well, and then he, and he even said that Bucks, like Nathan Buckley came to him and said, mate, we want you to go because the rest of the players have said they don't want to play with you anymore. Oh, and then, <laughs> and that's what Trelaw came out and said. And then Nathan Buckley came and said, oh, that's not exactly what I said. Well, you know, even, and Adam Trelaw had the opportunity to clear it up and he doubled down and said, well, that's exactly what I heard him say. So, <laughs> so, but see, it's not exactly what I said. So it was along those lines. So basically we don't want you, champ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. That's right. 
Anyway, mm. ridiculous. But talking about player movements, what about the NBA? Streety, this is your favourite period of the year, even though it's happening at an unusual time. Oh, you it definitely love is. the NBA free agency market, don't you? I've got to say, the off-season is, is probably more exciting than when the season's on. <laughs> um, absolutely, plays trading places is uh is uh has become a sport unto its own and actually probably it, it garners more more traction on social media and um you know the various podcasts that do this sort of stuff they have high ratings in the off season um talking about all this stuff than when season is actually in play so it just mm-hmm. goes to show what, so what's, what's your yeah oh, sorry right. okay, no. i was just gonna say switch so what's your what's your favorite move so far Favorite move? Oh, I mean, I think. Well, it's no secret the Lakers got better. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that a championship team, you know, strengthened all their weaknesses um, and upgraded in positions where they weren't necessarily at their best. Um, so they will go in favorites next year and probably win it again. Um, I kind of like what the Sixers did. I think the Sixers. Um, had an opportunity to potentially look at trading Ben Simmons. I think there's probably pushback from some within that organisation to not do it and to give those guys one more year with Embiid and Simmons. Um, but they've got a new coach in Doc Rivers and they made some pretty shrewd moves getting a few shooters around them. So that'll open up the floor a bit more. So I think the Sixers will probably be a much better and balanced squad uh, by some of their additions by some smaller trades and getting rid of Al Horford in order to facilitate that. Um, they'll be a better team. Um, I think everyone's waiting for the big one to happen is um, will James Harden and or Westbrook get traded from the Rockets? And if so, where will they go? Well, and, and Mac, do you want to make a comment about your... Uh, oh, yeah. Raptors, yeah. <laughs> so this is the Raptors picking up Aaron Baines, you idiots. Yeah. Up, so... so. So just for anybody who doesn't know, I have been remarkably vocal about Aaron Baines's talent and whether he belongs in the NBA. It's a sweet state league player. And and I and I am gonna back that up. I'm gonna clarify something that I said about Aaron Baines, right? I just wanna because I, I just wanna have this very quickly we'll just go over this. What I said was Aaron Baines is a D League or G League player, whatever they call it now, or used to call it, right? That's his level of talent. But my point was, was that there are plenty of players in the NBA that have that level of talent. Because what I was trying to say was that there are a lot of players in the NBA G League or D League that could play in the actual league, right? Like on a bench, once you get past position eight or so, mostly the level of talent is about the same. What happens though is many people get an opportunity. And if they take advantage of their opportunity, they translate it into a career and a very, very lucrative pay packet. And that's exactly what Aaron Baines has done. So I was trying to say that he's done very well for himself, but he's no more talented than, than a lot of the guys that are out there plying their trade in the G League or D League. But he's just done better with his opportunity when he's got it, that's all, right? And so... He's a know, safer bet than some of these guys. Yeah, exactly, right? So he's a known quantity. He either doesn't want to be a star and he's happy to play a role, or he knows his weaknesses and he's trying to make them better. Um, or at the end of the day, he's just a guy who gets along with people. And so, and he's six foot ten and built like a brick shit house or whatever tall he is. I don't know. But I think anyway, one of his best assets is he's just a good teammate. Yeah, exactly right. And and yeah. if you're a good teammate, plus you add 
a couple of skills every year like he has where he's look he's certainly not a, an elite level shooter for god's sake right no like, definitely not <laughs> he might chuck it in a couple of times when you put him on for 10 minutes but but at the end of the day he's solid dependable and he's easy to have around the locker room and the practice facility and that can translate into 15 million dollars over two years like well i mean all, all a guy like Baines needs to do, and you talk about skill acquisition, if he could just become some kind of a threat to help stretch the floor, to spread the floor, that just opens opportunities for their two guys, Van Vliet and Siakam, to get easier looks at the basket, either by driving and pulling up for shots or getting to the rim for a layup. Yeah. If, 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 if Baines can, can stretch his defender out and take him out of the paint, then you know he might hit 30% of his shots. Yeah. He might create an extra four to six points a game for those other two blokes. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 34.5, to be precise. <laughs> and honestly, he's not going to play any more than 10 minutes a game anyway. But if they're 10 good minutes, then great. Good on him, you know? Yeah, uh, and he, he was probably the third big guy in the in the centre market to, you know, he had a couple of dominoes that needed to fall. And once uh, Marcus O signed the Lakers, you know, I'm sure Baines would have been on the Lakers sort of, you know, He's our third choice guy if we can't get, you know, choice one or two. It just so happened that Gasol fell the Lakers and then the Raptors came and took third third best available from the big men. Yep. And, um, yeah. Yep, absolutely. There we have it. So, uh, Baines 46, Raptors jersey coming your way. Streety, is there anyone in the NBA that you think totally got it wrong with what they added or just paid too much? Or... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we, listen, Michael Jordan is often revered to as the GOAT, and uh, that is, is debatable in some circles. But one thing he's definitely not the greatest of all time at is running a team and paying the right guys because uh, he paid a uh, an off-injured um, Gordon Haywood, 120 mil, where his market value is probably more around the 80 to 90 over that term, uh, four years. Yeah, so... Paid massive unders for an injured white guy who's, you know, decent, uh, but certainly not as good as he used to be. And he's probably not going to hurt you. What do you reckon, Nug? Is there anyone that, that kind of, other than Jordan, like, or anyone that you just kind of went, Jesus, what about that guy? He cashed in a fair bit and he's probably not worth that much. Yeah, there's probably a couple out there like that, but, I mean, that was the number one that you just went, wow, he's getting what? Yeah. <laughs> you just sort of it's go, all white wow, guys but... that can shoot. Yeah. yeah, if you're a but, tall, tall white guy who can but, shoot the rock, but, you get a contract. But he can, but he's, like you said, he's multiple injuries. Just He hasn't really done anything since his major one where his leg just imploded. But um, but then you look at the others and, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the Harden. Uh, I think Harden will go. Westbrook, I don't really... Yeah, I'd like to see. So you that reckon hard. they'll just they'll, the Rockets will just split up that tandem, right? So that duo, they'll just split that get up. get what they can get. While they I still think can. I, th- I, th- I think for the Rockets, they're they're probably in the position to strengthen this trade market because they can hold out until they can choose to run it back and see how it goes with you know Harden, Westbrook, and a couple of their free agent guys, and then you know reassess at the trade deadline where a few more teams may be desperate, or you know there might be injuries to the contenders. So if you can add to your roster. Uh, if you're another contender, then in the might give you enough to, you know, get get over the edge. Um, but you know, it's uh, Harden's made it known that he wants out, but the Rockets don't necessarily have to do that. Yeah. Do you, do you reckon Brooklyn sign one more superstar? 
I think they'll right. be trying to. I like. I think they'll be trying to be part of that trade, whether it's Harden or Westbrook or whatever. I feel like there'll be some type of play that they'll still make to get somebody. Um, I don't know that that's the best deal for them, though. I don't know if that's a good idea. So. I think the combination of Kyrie, KD, and Harden. There's not enough ball. Everyone talks about it. You know, I mean, if, if I was a shrewd Nets guy, I'd probably try and get Harden. Make sure you got him, play a few games, and then uh, you've got a really good backup guard who's better suited to that three in Dinwiddie and maybe look to move Kyrie Irving because, uh, you know, he, he's a bit of trouble and, you know, a bit of a team hopper now and I think, see what you get loses, to him. He normally loses the pot after about four, about a month or two anyway. So. He does. And, so, and what about the Knicks? Like, you talk about the Lakers getting better after having won a championship. After being probably the worst team in the league, the Knicks have probably gotten worse. <laughs> Look, and and I, like I don't even know what they're what they're doing, but they didn't they didn't really add anybody, and I don't even know who they're going to have. Like yeah, uh, I kind of think for the Knicks, they're signing guys <clears> to <throat> shorter term deals, one and two year deals, and they're trying yeah. to be as bad as possible. It's a pretty good draft class coming in next year, so they're sort of tanking without officially announcing they're tanking. Yeah. Um, so preserving cap space and tanking to get a good pick, but That's they've it. been doing that for bloody. 20 years and still well, I was going to say, how long, yet. how long can you do that for? But like, before you got to, like, you got to, at some point, you got to hit on something, don't you? Like, yeah, but, but you know, the problem is, I mean, the value of these franchises, especially in New York, just keep on keep on rising. Um, yeah. so you know, like, someone like Dolan, the owner, can afford to lose, but you know, like, uh, de- demographics in this whole COVID situation have changed the dynamics of larger cities, and you know, people are sort of leaving New York in droves, so. You know, I still think the value for the team will be there. There's still a large population, but, you know, they may have to have a bit of a rethink in their organisational structure and, you know, how much emphasis are they going to place on winning now and remaining competitive? Because, you know, in the end, you've got a team across the river who is uh, going to be one of the top teams in the league in Brooklyn. Um, and it's pretty easy to lose fans. So what about then the season starts again on December 22nd? Training camp... Camps open next week, but what about this, boys? They played the last, they played the finals and, and the last eight games of the season before, in a bubble. This one's not going to be in a bubble. This one's going to be with teams travelling to cities. And right now, the NFL looks like it's going to be pretty close to being shut down because they're going to have no players left because of coronavirus running through them. Do you see the NBA making it through this season, like without interruption? What are you, what are your thoughts there, like? Surely there's it can't go well for them. Oh, I think I think it's odds on there'd be a, a few players will go down with COVID just because they're out of that bubble environment. Um, it, you know, I, I guess it, the, the draw or the schedule hasn't really been fully finalised in terms of how they'll do it with regional hubs and less travel and you know playing teams in your division and conference more have that more weighted as opposed to more of a, a spread schedule. Yeah. Um, you think, think think of the how many teams and just the logistics involved with those arenas, and it must be such a mammoth task to to work out a schedule that that you know fits seventy two games that's balanced for all those teams. Yeah. Um, and and then it's hard enough as it is, but then throw this sort of pandemic situation where you know COVID's just it's it's out of control and it's like an out of control bushfire. There's no it'll you know I think America now will probably the only way they'll they'll get rid of it is through Herd, herd immunity. That's the way it's headed. Well, you see, you hear this, the county of Oakland or whatever have shut down. Like, so they've, they've gone into a three-week curfew where 
uh, no contact sports, saying not allowed to, not allowed to have. So the, so the 49ers, the NFL team, have to find a new place to train and play. Um, yeah, that three week period will impact. I don't know if they class basketball as as a contact sport, but the Warriors are probably going to have to find a new place to train and play as well. Wow, it's a mess, isn't it? Yeah, because also they've now you want to come back to the area if you've travelled outside of a hundred and fifty mile radius. That's a fourteen day quarantine as well. Well, I guess the Raptors got the jump by going to Tampa Bay. There might be some uh, some cities in America that are going to run out. Mate, I was going to say that I don't think that I don't think the Raptors will be the only team that will be moving cities before the end of the year. Yeah. So, mm. Bizarre. It'll be interesting to see, boys, American sports. I feel like there's a lot more of a story to be told with COVID-19 for those guys. So, oh, it, uh, it's the beginning of the end for the great United States of America. <laughs> it is. The beginning of the, the beginning. Jeez, it's been going on for... <laughs> Since for March. And the beginning started yeah. in March. But, you know, yeah. like if, yeah. if you see major industries like sports begin to not operate, then the cascading flow and effect that, you know, do you think how much, how many smaller industries when it comes to food and beverage and the employment those creates for those sort of, you know, people who, you know, they're not the highest paying jobs. So if those people aren't working, getting paid, then it affects those sort of poorer communities. And then, you know, the the, the effects is massive. And, you know, like it'll, it it can, you know, without sport there, a lot of these cities and, and areas can just sort of descend into social chaos. Well, you're exactly right. And I mean, we've all been over there and that's the thing. A lot of these stadiums are out in the boondocks. Like there's, there's other, you got Madison Square Garden and those sorts of places, but a lot of the other stadiums aren't, yeah, that's it. You go out to the stadium. There is nothing else out there. Yeah. yeah. You need that space to park 20,000 people. Mm. And that's and that's going to be the big thing too, because the other industries around it, like bars and restaurants that surround the stadiums in those in those ta- like in those cities and stuff like that, depend on game days to basically keep them going as well, right? Like so, yeah. Uh, you know, like without those sort of games going on and without fans being able to be there, there's a lot more businesses that suffer other than just the stadiums and the teams, right? So, the hospitality and service industry in the states. So, it's a big, it's a big driver of their economy in sport, and it's going to yeah. be. And and, and Saturdays and Sundays in in, in America uh, are largely just driven around. Yeah. The football schedule, you know, if you've been to the states on a weekend, every bar and pub you go to, they've got twenty four fifty televisions around, and it's just packed, and they've got every game on, and the whole weekend revolves from out of towners coming into these holiday destinations, doing their thing, going to the pub for for lunch and, and game day. And it happens yep. everywhere, no matter where it is in the country. It's all happening. Yep. Now, what about, and I agree with you, Srini, what about the Australian sporting landscape? So the bigger football codes like AFL and the NRL were able to mobilise fairly quickly and get a season done. So obviously the cricket season's just started. But the Australian Open, it's uncertain whether there's whether it's going to start on time. So there's no guarantee they're going to start it in January. It's actually probably more likely they'll start it in February. The NBL's just announced, obviously, that they're not going to start until January. The WNBL is in a bubble. The A-League's not starting until, I think, pretty close to after Christmas. End of January, that one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's 
So there's there's a huge, like the other smaller sporting codes here in Australia, they're feeling it as well. They need fans to drive revenue, right? And so mm. they're pushing it back as far as they possibly can to be able to get as many people through the door as possible. And I don't think they have a choice because that's the thing. I mean, it's hard enough as it was, well, bar the crowd noise, which we spoke about, you know, with the AFL, NRL, et cetera. But those smaller sports, yeah, you don't watch them on TV. You go to the game. That's yeah. the only way you you would watch them. Um, I don't see thousands upon thousands of people tuning into a WNBL game, whereas if it was on locally, you'd go and watch it. Yeah. So it's sports like that that... Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one as far as and yeah they they don't have a choice but then you've got then got the overlap of the winter sports then starting in March so it's it's a yeah I, it's I feel still, like we're going to lose some sporting codes I know I said it before right at the start of COVID and all that sort of stuff and but I feel like we're, we're I feel I feel like we're going to lose some sporting codes inevitably if we do yeah. who's the first to go the A League will struggle I feel like yeah, the yeah. A League will struggle big time because of the cost. Um, of expense. I feel like the NBL's probably got a bit more time. Like three years ago, if this has happened, I would have said the NBL, but Larry Kestelman's probably stabilised their business model. The A-League behind the scenes, mate, they're a shambles. And and I feel like they've been at great risk of actually, yeah, they're, they're not going to survive. Yeah. How does that, uh, how is this going to affect our Olympic athletes? Do we think that, uh, is, you know, is Tokyo looking less likely or more likely for 2021? It'll be oh. a gold rush. There'll be no Yanks there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Imagine that as an Olympics. Like, no Americans, no Eastern Europeans. We'd be home. <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they do call that the Commonwealth Games, don't they? Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. We've seen that before. Except for when England stole all our coaches and they want everything to bastards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but England are in dire straits anyway with COVID, so they won't be allowed to come either. So we should be sweet. I, I honestly, I haven't heard that much about how Tokyo, like whether Japan is is a hotspot or whatever. But the reality is, Streety, you're right. This virus is running rampant like a wildfire through the world, right? Like outside of our borders, because we've got these hard border closures, we're just not feeling it, right? But every other country is is in dire straits here. I feel like even if they have an Olympics, it will look nothing like the Olympics you've seen before. Yeah. Inevitably, there can be no fans. The athletes would probably be happy to, um, to I think basically uh, to quarantine for fourteen days to compete. But by and large, mate, these guys. But yeah, it's going to be a weird Olympics for sure. Well, I just thought of this, Maka. We have the ability to stream a lot of things, right? So yeah. let's just say in Tokyo, who you know, Japan are probably one of the world leaders in in technology with you know all, all that sort of stuff. Could you ever foresee a situation where the Olympics becomes more of a virtual event? You know, so you can still maintain your athletes, but for those athletes in the states who can't travel or aren't allowed to, could they still perhaps, you know, have a, a an athletic stadium as their base? You you can run your races, and then you have rate all these different athletes are timed, and the the event is live streamed. So you have, uh, you know, each you know, you might have a, a, you know, an Australian qualifiers, but they have to race in Sydney or those can go to Japan do. But you might have Americans racing in America in yeah. Olympic finals and you have a British sprinter racing in London 
you have so, so but you in oh. fact stream this you stream this whole event yeah you, know, you just the way you can cut up a tv screen you have all the it's almost like you're watching it yeah um and then you could run olympic final that way so you still have the best best athletes doing it but perhaps this is a new way of doing it mate honestly would, yeah, oh, sorry no yeah go no, i was just gonna say would you trust sporting world to imagine the corruption of that crap where the north the north koreans just happen to have a slight lag in their internet and then run a six second a six second hundred meters or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly I'm, I'm just going to pipe in there's no chance a north korean can run that fast All right? no matter how much drugs they have their legs are too short they just can't can't do it oh uh, look honestly like strudy mate that sounds like the most far out weird idea and before this year i would have said are you kidding honestly mate after this year all i'll say is it's entirely possible that could happen and it's not actually it's not a bad idea (laughs) to be honest to get it going because unlike a team sport running a a running race is one of the easiest events to actually use that format of uh you know obviously the one thing you'd have to get past is your time zones Yeah. Um, yeah you know um but you know. Which is entirely possible because because they do a broadcast schedule for every Olympics around that, you know? Like, it just yeah. means that people are running an Olympic final at 9 o'clock in the morning in one of the countries. Yeah. It's so, always 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mate, up. it could happen, Streety. It could happen. It's probably not the worst idea. I mean, at the end of the day, we've discovered that everything can be done. Everything almost can be done. Almost anything can be done if you need to do it. And, yeah. and the the problem here is like it, I'm going to sound like a weirdo here, right? But this, the analogy that was used very early on is the virus doesn't move. We as human beings move, right? So the only thing that you have to stop is not people running a hundred meter race because they'll spread the virus. It's them moving to a different country with the virus and then getting yeah. together with 5,000 other people at the same time. And then they get the virus. And so this is kind of where I'm just not entirely sure. Um, how this will all all kind of play out, mate. I feel like, I feel like, yeah, anything could happen because the Olympics are going to be a very difficult event to put on yeah. in a normal way. So. Well, you know, I, I think uh, certain events that idea hasn't been sort of thought of already. Uh, yeah. I might uh, have to check the patent office for that. I might have to see if I can uh, put my name to that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but for Australia, you know, what 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 many consider to be our one of our weaknesses is their isolation has now become one of our strengths and you know um definitely domestic codes might struggle but if we can not let anyone in <laughs> and then uh well old as old, it, old to- toshiro muto the ceo of the uh, tokyo olympics says it must go ahead at any cost and they're expecting a vaccine to be ready by oh, july yep Oh well, Konichiwa, Mister Miyagi. You never know exactly. They'll just uh, pump that teriyaki on. into them, and you're away. Well, I mean, you can imagine all the Olympic federations and the governments giving preferential sort of, you know, um, you know, vac- vaccination lists to elite athletes or Olympics or you know anything that's sort of, you know. Oh yeah, where, like, where the national interest of the country's at stake, those people are going to get first first dibs at that vaccine. And if you've put four years worth of work into it, someone says you have this vaccine, mate, and you'll be right to go. That you'll be able to, allowed to compete. You'd put it into yourself. You wouldn't, yeah. Like as long as you're not going to get drug tested for it, go for it. Yeah, well, that obviously have to have to wave that through the authorities that uh, whatever traces of the, you know, whatever's in that COVID vaccination, you know, can't be used in a uh, positive test. 
Nah, but then can you, imagine all the, can, can you imagine all the countries putting certain things in it? Clenbuterol in the uh, <laughs> exactly. yep. vaccine, just a little oh, bit. Wasn't it wasn't me, it was just the vaccination. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a minefield. No, yeah, it's right. I ate a contaminated vaccinated steak on the way over in the plane. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Sport in 2021 is going to be about as weird as sport in 2020, I think. So uh, Maybe weirder. So so what about the Australian summer boys? The cricket is back, Street. You mentioned it earlier. Did you boys catch any of the first two? Well, the first, second one day is on right now. All oh, right. Is it? What channel is it on? Uh, I think it's only on Fox. Is it? Oh, okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I had no idea. I mean, am I the only person that doesn't give a fuck about cricket at the, at the moment? No. Uh, didn't, no. Did, didn't even know it was on the other night no, as well. Neither. Until someone was commenting on something. And then, uh, did Steve Smith get a second hundred today? He did. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of thought that was a uh, popped up on my social media that was, uh, you know, Facebook recycling old posts from two days ago, but it was actually today. No, no, he got he got his second hundred today. They scored something like three hundred and eighty today. It was ridiculous yeah. how much they scored today. I don't know how India were like were one for about ninety three or so when I saw it or something. But like, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, it does feel a little bit like it's a bit of disinterest. Like, uh, I think it, it, like entirely that that particular um like that particular sport. They the ACA or the Australian Cricket Association are trying to get any type of game going with India because of how much it's worth because of the Indians the and TV rights. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I'd say, uh, yeah, it's a, like, you know, they'll, they'll try anything at this particular point in time. That's why they're throwing on one day as at the moment, because Virat Kohli's still there. So Yeah. You know, it's going. kind of weird that, uh, you know, we have this public health cry or, you know, world health crisis, but yet, you know, people try and just resuscitate the, uh, the, the ledges of their, Accounting more so than you know that, that that's the, the number one priority over the health of yeah. you know people. It seems people recover from this COVID fairly, you know, easily in, in most cases. Yeah, well, um, it's depending pretty on who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like yeah. save for the million or so people we've lost to it. Well, yeah, you know, like it sounds, it is. That's a, a pretty small number compared to how many people have it and then recover. But, you know, do you actually want to take the chance with it? So it's one of those things. It's almost like as, uh, as a world population, you know, we've, we've probably been overcautious and rightly so. Yeah. Whereas if, if you look at, you know, some studies and, you know, listen to the history of what happened with the Spanish flu in 1918. Yeah. They, they just, you know, it just happened and it killed more people. But, you know, they just they got on with it and, yeah. you know, they recovered. Yeah. And it was far worse. You know, in terms of, you know, it's toll on people and, and an actual disease. Well, there you go. You heard it from Matthew Trump. Just in yeah. <laughs> it'll get better. Just play on, play through like nothing else, boys. Ah, very good. Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think. I think there's a lot more to play out in this particular space with uh, a lot of sports and, when, and maybe not going ahead and a lot of sports maybe uh, not surviving through it. I can't wait for the slew of books and documentaries going to be released in, you know, two to three years when this is all said and done and just as the impact and the stories behind and what happened and it'll be, you know, it'll be some interesting uh, things to read in yeah, the near story, future. Stories about the bubble. 
What happened in the bubble? <laughs> whether they ain't anybody, staying in the bubble. <laughs> whether anybody stayed in the bubble or whether anybody made it through the bubble. So. Well, there's that one guy from the Rockets that got booted because he was uh, banging one of the mates. He, he couldn't <laughs> help himself and he got booted from the bubble. Uh, half, half his luck. <laughs> uh, good luck to him. So. Nice uh, one. All right, boys. Our next one, we'll be back for episode 49 and then we'll try and cap the year off with a 50th episode or that might be the way to start 2021. We'll, we'll wait and see. Yep. Raise, the, raise the bat for the 50th in the new year. Yes. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we might even try and scrounge a guest up for our next show. Uh, got a few ideas based on this last five minutes of chat. <laughs> might uh, see if we, we can get someone on to talk about life as an athlete with COVID. Well, I'll, uh, I'll get my people in contact with Vera Coley, see what I can muscle up. <laughs> better, get, better get him soon. He's heading he's heading back, I think, to India pretty soon. So. Nice. Very good. Righto, gentlemen, thank you very much, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, All right, boys. lads. See you later.